Do you like beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White and Bert Deister. It's, uh, it's a good day to brew because you got rounds four through seven of the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. So good stuff on TV. Of course, you can uh, track how the Bills are doing and, uh, you know. It's four through seven. You'll hear the names, and you got to Google them. Yeah, yeah. You know, good background. Decide sound. whether you like them or not. Yeah, in five good, minutes. Good background sound. So that's cool. We're also uh, a week out from National Homebrew Days celebration at Niagara Tradition. So we're going to have lots going on. We have our morning beginning brewing class. So tickets are available online for that. You do have to purchase tickets for the class. That's going to be at eleven o'clock in the morning. Uh, and then we have our tasting and all grain brewing demo at one thirty. And we got a little bit of uh, a treat. Well, we got a couple of treats here for you. One, all of the staff brewed a different beer, which we've been talking yep. about on the show. And so we all brewed a beer in store, and we're going to bring them back uh, and serve them on Saturday. As well as we have Keith, the fellow who's teaching our beginning brewing class in the morning, has a grain father. And he asks, he goes, oh, do you want to use it for the demo? Because mm. He's been itching to use it more. Yep. And I said, do you want to, if you want to do the afternoon demo, I'll hang out and, you know, we can play around with your grain father. So we're going to have one of those in. We're going to be brewing with it. We're going to play around with it. So if you want to come check it out in action, come on in at about 1.30, 2 o'clock, and we should be starting to mash in. How popular has that been as an item? It's been fairly popular. I mean, it's an expensive item, right? Yeah, well, not compared to a lot of other okay. of its competitors. If you look at buying a whole complete brewing system, um, otherwise, you're looking at about three times the price. You're usually about three thousand dollars. Whether you're looking at like you know Blickman or like SS or you know any of these other independent manufacturers, um, you're looking at about three thousand dollars for an all-in-one brew system. Once you start looking at a pump, a thermostat, um, and a wart chiller, where this is an all-in-one unit, it comes with two heating elements. It comes with thermostatic control. It comes with a pump. It comes with a counterflow wart chiller. And so there's really nothing besides the fact that it's only available in, I think, an eight and a half gallon of this total volume. You know, a lot of people are pushing out five and a half to six gallon batches with it. Um, besides the fact that you're limited to five gallon batches in size, um, there's no advantage to any of these more expensive brew systems. So even though you have a, you know, three and a half thousand dollar brew easy, you should be able to hit all the same temperatures, all the same ratios, and all the same marks out of your grandfather brewing system if you want to. Okay. And so you're going to have all the ability to hit all those technical numbers you want to, to hit all, you know, um, your gravities and be able to recirculate your mash and do an easy sparge so you don't have multiple vessels to clean up. Um, but you're going to pay about the third of a price otherwise. And they're very nice. They pack up very easy. That's the one other thing. If I could highlight storage. the grandfather, why I think it's so popular, storage. They're the only one that thought about storage when it comes to their unit. And yeah. what it comes down with is the basket, the wart chiller, everything that comes with the system can fit inside of it when not in use, and I've seen a couple people put it into their cupboards. And That I'm real jealous yeah. of. To have a brew system underneath the kitchen sink ready to go. And the price point on the grandfather? It's a little over $1,000. Now, as compared to all the stuff you get in the grandfather, if you had to buy everything else, what's the difference in price there? You know, considering all the... Put it together yourself, and you 
kind of sacrificed a little bit on something so not as big as a counterflow chiller. You went with one heating element, not two. You're definitely going to be over the price point of, I think, $1,100. Really? You're going to be up probably 1500 So it's basically buying everything at once and... You're saving like a... You know, 50% of the cost or yeah. a third of the cost. Yeah. Making right. me think about the price of my system, and that's not something I want to add up. I've been kind of adding on to right. this for 15 years. I don't want to know what the total cost of the system is. as you talk about it, I think, like, man, maybe I should get that. But then I think, but I've already got so much that I already mm-hmm. spent. It is perfectly, you know, in working order and everything. Yeah. And so you have to look at the price of assembling, like, a whole new brew stand and how you want to change your system around. And, but then you also have to look at the convenience, too. Again, you can put everything in here and store it in a kitchen cupboard or in a hall closet, um, and it's going to be tight, compact, and out of the way when you're not using it. That can't be said for my equipment. Yeah. That's for sure. All right, so National Homebrew Day celebration. That's going to be next Saturday. Mm -hmm. Um, Beginner brewing class. Email about tickets. You can go to nthomebrew.com to sign up for the email. And 10% off all ingredients Tuesday through Saturday. This is in-store, in, and online. Now, it won't appear immediately when you cash out online what you're going to do is you're going to cash out online and then about 12 to 24 hours later you're going to see the total come down 10 percent off all the ingredients we can't tell the website to only do things you can eat and so we have to apply the discount individually gotcha. we'll do that to your online orders if you want to have an in-store pickup if you want to have a mail order yes you still get the 10 percent off all ingredients that's Bags of malt, specialty malts, hops, you know, Y yeast, additives, um, anything non-taxable, wine juice, um, is all 10% off. And so you can put that order in online. We'll apply the discount for you, and you'll get it in the mail. Okay. Uh, the all-grain brewing demo is at 1.30. Um, and the Beginning free- brewing class at 11 a.m. You got to sign up online. Okay. And tickets are still available at the website. Tickets are still available. Okay. Now, we've mentioned a few times hop hash. Mm-hmm. As it as we continue to mention, is it picking up? Are more and more people coming back with reviews? Good things to say about the Eldorado yes, Hopper. Yes, they are. We are, you know, getting uh, have gone through multiple orders of it. We kind of did a kind of trial order, see what people thought. We've used a little bit. It's really got a lot of kind of intense fruity flavors. We're actually going to use a little bit in the beer that we're one of the beers we're serving on next Saturday. Um, we'll have a New England-style IPA that has some of it in it. Okay. But, um, I think you'll be impressed with how little hops, you know, it takes to provide a lot of flavor with this stuff. Do you think you'd be able to identify a hop hash beer versus a non-hop hash beer? You would have thoughts about it. Okay. You know what I mean? It's kind of like when you see really good CGI. You can't help think, is this real? And yeah. I feel real bad if it, it – it's going to be like that because you never really know. And, and you want to – I think a lot of brewers are putting in everything. It's nice to have a little bit of mystery to your pint still. And um, I just, I don't know. If, if, if you'll see it on there, they might say El Dorado. I don't think they're going to tell you it's hop hash in the beer. Um, and it's hard unless you're looking at a recipe to say, no, there's no way they got this flavor out. There was no way that I'm going to call out somebody at a bar and say, this beer has hop hash in it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make that call. All right. But – You'll question it because you'll start seeing these sin beers, not a lot of resin, not a lot of real bitter hop flavors, but a whole lot of kind of rich, fruity flavors. And that's going to be the hop hash. That's going to be the cryo hops. Yes, breweries have been getting these flavors other ways. And you look at like Trillium and they seem to have a lot of tricks to do it. Um, But it's going to be hard to pick it out, I think. Yeah. So there's a limited supply of Galaxy hops still in stock, though. Yep. And we have those in the store, limited two per customer. Um, 350 an ounce. 
but they've been moving fairly regularly. We haven't seen a full order come in, so we still have the limit at two per customer. As soon as we start seeing our full orders come in of Galaxy, we'll start lifting the limit, and you'll be able to grab whatever you want, hopefully in pounders again. Um, but we'll see how that goes. And you wanted to talk today about the rhizomes you've got. Yes, the, the rhizome sales are taking off. We're starting to get low on some varieties. So if the trees in your backyard and, and everything are starting to open up and, you know, the tulips are there and so are the daffodils, the hops should have been in already. Um, ours at the store are probably a little over knee high. So we, we got about, you know, 18 inches of growth. We already trimmed them back once. We might have to do that again, um, but they're taking off. So if you're thinking about planting hops, yes, you can do it all the way out to early June, but if you're trying to give them as much advantage as you can, get them in now. You can always transplant them later. So we have them at the store. We still have Brewer's Gold, Cascade, Centennial, Chinook, Columbus, Crystal, Fuggles, Goldings, Liberty, Magnum, Mount Hood, Northern Brewer, Nugget, Sterling, Tetaning, Willamette, and Comet. So we still have plenty of varieties available. And if you're looking for a simple one to plant, we would always suggest Cascade, um, Goldings, or Columbus are going to be very easy to grow. So is Northern Brewer. And we have plenty of those for you come in late looking for those ornamental hops. But if you're coming in looking for even an ornamental hop, we always tell you they're very easy to grow. Spend a couple minutes, look what hops go into your favorite beers, and grab those ones they have in the backyard. And if nothing else, you can use them as kind of like a decoration when you're serving like a nice pint. Is there one that's uh, significantly more difficult to grow than the others? Well, there's, we could put a classification of hops in there. And that's going to be your kind of Eastern European um, hops. Now, a lot of these, you notice, you don't see Saz on there. You see Sterling. You don't see Middle Fruit. You see Mount Hood. So they've been kind of naturalized to our soil in a way. They've, they haven't been all grafted or cross-pollinated. Some of them have. Um, but they have been acclimated to our soil. Um, but still, those Eastern European rhizomes tend to have a very narrow rhizome. So if you were looking at hops like a tree and <clears throat> the below ground portion kind of being the trunk and holding a lot of nutrients and holding a lot of water, these Eastern European varieties have very narrow rhizomes, a very small area for them to hold water, to hold glucose, and they tend to be a little more finicky than with how much water is getting to the soil and hitting any dry spells, not getting in the ground early enough, just because they can't hold on to much glucose as much water. So when you mm -hmm. see that dry spell, they dry out quicker. Do you see that hops generally do better maybe in a raised bed than just flat out in the ground? I think I have, if you're going to be attentive of them, you got better chances in a raised bed. Okay. Like with a weed, weed control barrier on the bottom. And a weed control barrier, you're not going to get swamped out. You yeah. can acclimate the soil. You can kind of put a barrier underneath the raised bed so the water doesn't leach out as fast so that you're not leaching, you know, acids and other important nutrients out of your soil by overwatering. Mm -hmm. Um so there's definitely an advantage to a raised bed. While I do have some hops in pots, I don't have any in raised beds. Um, I do all mine in the ground. Uh, I do kind of acclimate the soil. I do mound them the first year, um, which kind of allows them to self-plant. But it also keeps some of the rhizome well above the water table, especially when we've had rainy weeks like this right in the middle of the kind of first week that they're really coming up strong. I don't want to see them flooded. I don't want to see any standing water. So mounding them for their first year really helps us that. And again, that means you're going to till and acclimate the soil or back to level and then put the hop rhizome down 
just lay it down on the ground horizontally and mound about an inch to two inches of soil on top of it. You don't want to pack it down too tight, just a little bit, so it holds and doesn't get washed away by the rain. But you don't want to, you know, push it in. You don't want to pack that soil tight around the rhizome. All right. We got to talk about when we get back turning a keg into a brew, brew pot. But before we do that, uh, the deadline for Uniha has passed. Yes. Rice. So. And you should start seeing results soon. Okay. So they they pushed their competition back, but they also um, kind of shrunk the the time frame between the uh, registration window and the judging. So you should see information start coming out on that soon. And so you know, good luck to everybody that sent beers out to Rochester. You know, hopefully represent Buffalo and the kind of the little bit of the uh, you know kind of inner city competition here. I know they took a couple medals home from ours, and so we got to get a couple of theirs. All right, very good. Uh, when we get back, turning a keg into a brew pot. The pros, the cons, the process, all that good stuff. It's coming up next on Niagara Traditions. Just brew it here on ESPN fifteen twenty. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. Welcome back to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. We're just in the break here planning out future shows and all that good stuff. Uh, again, National Homebrew Day celebration is a week from today. Morning beginner brewing class. Uh, there's an email going out about that for tickets, or you can go to nthomebrew.com. Uh, tasting and all-grain brewing at 1.30 with the Grain Father. And uh, three beers that you guys made in-house will be serving. So good stuff for National Homebrew Day, which is actually Sunday. Which is actually Sunday. Right. Everybody's going to be celebrated on the Saturday. Saturday. Why the Brewers Association made kind of a retail holiday on a Sunday. I don't know. Yeah. But um, everybody's going to celebrate it Saturday. All right. Uh, Before we get to turning a keg into a brew brew pot, summer drafting supplies. We talked about this a little bit last week. Like things you might need. Say you uh, walk out to the garage. Maybe you're not a winter brewery or a summer brewer. And you're trying to look around and see what you've got. Um, Things for the summer that you might need. Big brew pots. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We have burners. Um, we have uh, all sorts of hose fittings uh, as well as wart chillers um, to make your outside brew day a little bit easier. If you're not looking to brew and you just want to be outside, we have party taps, kegerator conversions. We also have our economy kegerator and party conversion. So that's a CO2 cylinder, a regulator, a Sankey tap, and a picnic faucet. So you get the whole advantage of not having to pump. The beer will be good for weeks, months, if you can keep it cold after you initially serve it. Unlike a party pump where you're pumping it and it's going to go flat, Mm -hmm. the CO2 system for a little bit more will kind of let you save the beer. And if you want to throw the keg into the refrigerator, fine. You can come and grab a fridge tap and some hose for 45 bucks later and put that onto the fridge. And so if you want to turn this into a kegerator conversion, it's only going to cost you 40 bucks later on. All right. So let's, while we're in conversions, uh, turning a keg into a brew pot, the pros, the cons, and uh, how it all gets done. So where does this uh, come this from? Every, it, 
back probably when now anybody who's come in and, and looks at my brewing system, which I've had around for a long time, always really loves the the Kegels. So that's the combination of Kegel and, or I'm sorry, kettle and keg. You say it's got another. There's another meaning to that word, right? Yeah. yeah but anyway, go ahead. But, anyway, but um, so they're big, they're nice, they have, they look really cool, but they're a big pain. Um, time and time again, it keep running into problems. Long after I've converted them, that really are problems you're only going to have with a kegel. So let's talk about the first pros. You get a really big pot, and it's a really heavy gauge. Of stainless steel so if you want to cut it if you want to put a bulkhead in compression filling if you want to weld to it there's a lot of margin for error the cusp while it burns out drill bits it burns out saw blades um, it's gonna make nice clean holes so if you're trying to weld to it again if you're trying to put in a compression fitting you're not going to get a lot of tearing it's kind of tends to chip out um, which again makes nice clean holes for you um, they look really cool and that's about it that I can really say for the pros. They're, they're heavy. Um, they're hard to get in. Um, not only just the first time. So you got to cut the tops out of these things. You either cut the top off from the side and take the handles right off so you have no more handles. Um, or you try to cut out the center of the top. Now, the problem is there is because you kind of have a, you know, metal edge that's kind of tucked in you can't get at it with a grinding wheel or anything like that so inevitably you leave this lip and gap in the top of every keg <clears throat> so you're probably going to take a you know small grinding wheel on an angle grinder and you'll start working out the top of the tab and you'll eventually start having to go back and kind of clean up that edge to soften it up but you'll never be able to get all the way out to the edges of the keg so you every time you dump grain out you dump trub out you end up leaving some in there. Mm -hmm. And so the inevitability is you end up in the backyard with the hose, really trying to get into the thing, soaking yourself, trying to get all the bit of spent grain hops out of your kegel. Um, and it really drove me insane. So what I did is I went back to the angle grinder after spending hours, I can't tell you how many hours, trying to work out this lip out of the inside best I could by just cutting out the center of the lid. Um, and I cut it off on the side. And so that took a while. It was very noisy, a lot of, you know, burnt um, uh, cutting wheel, uh, and eventually it came off. So I lost my handles, um, but it's a little bit easier to clean out at the end of the brew day. I can do it in my sink now. I don't have to take it all the way outside if I don't want to. Um, it's something I can do in the slop sink in the basement. But that said, they're still super heavy. So that one is a factor when you're trying to move this beer, say, you know, getting it into the fermenter, getting it outside. But it's also a big issue when it comes to heating. Um, this was apparent to me the other day when I was doing the party guile. Because I had a economy polarware pot um, with seven and a half gallons in it. And I had a um, my keg with seven and a half gallons in it. The keg was actually on the better burner and outdid the other burner by about 40,000 BTUs. Guess which beer came up about 20 minutes to a boil faster? Mm. The Polarware pot. And that just goes to show how much BTUs I'm not only just deflecting right off that pot into the room, but how many are it takes to heat up the metal before you really start heating up the wart. Mm -hmm. So thinking about this, this means that every time I run this guy in the backyard – I'm running an extra 20 minutes of propane, 
uh, an extra 20 minutes of natural gas. So imagine just turning on the burner and saying, I'm just going to let you run for an extra 20 minutes because, you know, excess fossil fuel. Why not? So every beer, I'm running about another 20 minutes to get up to a boil compared to using my Polarware pot. I'd imagine it would take that much longer to cool down also. Yeah. Like to put it away, you're going to have to wait a long time. It's hot. And the one thing I notice is when I have the wart chiller in there and I take um, a reading of the outside, I'm usually like five degrees warmer than the liquid. So the liquid is taking that long as I put my wart chiller in there to chill down the pot itself. Now, here's the other kind of disadvantage. Everybody wants one of these because you get a big, big brew pot. You're not going to be able to do 15-gallon batches. And guess what? You're not even going to be able to do 10-gallon batches because once you cut the lid off, you're really left with about a 13-gallon, 12.5-gallon pot. And so if you want to brew 10 gallons and you have a 10% boil off, you really need at least about 13 gallons of starting space, plus you need head space to prevent boil over. So if you've taken this kegel, you've brought it home, you've done all this hours of work onto it, you've spent all this money on ferrules and welding and you know grinding wheels and dust mass and you know paying off the neighbors because you've been grinding these big metal kegs in the garage, um, you're now still only making five gallons. And that's one of the, I think, the biggest disadvantages. So you go through all this work turning this keg into a brew pot, and you really end up with a 13-gallon pot. You can brew like six, eight-gallon batches if you want to, but you can't quite brew 10. Um, and you've still spent a fair amount of money getting there. And there's the whole question of where you get these things. Now, I got them from a scrapyard. There was some question about whether they were working or not. Um, I bought them for a little bit more than their scrap value, um, and this was, again, about 15 years ago. MicroStar will sell you kegs at around their scrap weight, um, and you can, with the idea of you turning them into a brew pot, and it's probably going to be cheaper, I would imagine. If they've thought about this commercially and economically, their price for a broken one, I hope, is less than your deposit on a good one. So hopefully they put some type of incentive in there for you not to just steal your old kegs and turn them into a brew pot, that they've given you kind of an option to save some money and do it legally. Um, But something to kind of look at here is you're thinking, okay, well, yeah, I'm, I'm settled with five gallons. I don't mind, you know, burning a bunch of extra propane every single brew day and getting completely covered with trub and spent grain trying to clean out my pot. Let's kind of talk about price for a minute okay. because the price of stainless steel pots has come way down over like 10 to 15 years in brewing. Um, when we first started, there was no manufacturers who was making pots just for home brewers. You had Blickman and Polarware. Now there's probably half a dozen established manufacturers of pots, particularly for home brewing. Um, Polarware and Brewers Best are really kind of in a competition for the economy line, especially on sides. If you see, you know, Blickman, Polarware, and SS in a competition at the high end, um, you see these three at a competition at the lower end. So Polarware has obviously all the economy series that, you know, came out about five years ago. It's been really popular. But Brewers Best also has its own economy series now. So you can get a thin-walled 16-gallon pot from Brewers Best, all stainless steel, for $99.99. So for $100, in nice, clean pot, no cutting required, you already have a bigger brew system than mm-hmm. 
Um, if you want to get a little bit fancier, you go on to the Brewer's Beast Pods. Now, these are a bit heavier stainless steel. They include a really good lid. They have riveted handles. They have a tri-clad bottom, and they're induction ready. They come with two half-inch female ports welded in. So you have one six inches off the bottom and one about an inch and a half the bottom. So one for a thermometer, one for a spigot, or if you want to do like a recirculation system, you don't need the thermometer. You can use them both for a ball valve. Um, but an eight-gallon. So we're talking induction ready, heavy stainless steel, triclad bottom, 100 bucks for an eight gallon. That's with the two ports. 16 gallon, $150. So $150, and you have a pot that's three to four gallons, bigger than mine. This is my converted keg. Um, it's going to waste a lot less gas on every brew day. Um, and it's going to look a lot nicer, mm -hmm. I think, in the long run. Um, it looks a lot cleaner. Um, I think the purpose-built kegs, they look like mini commercial fermenters or, and brew tanks, and I think that's really cool. Mine looks like somebody took a couple of beers and then hacksawed a keg in the garage. Yeah. And it it kind of, while it does have its own appeal, there's you a lot exactly of disadvantage. I would not do it again. If anybody is listening out there and they want to buy the 16-gallon Brewer's Beast pot, and they want to trade me for one of my keggles, I will <laughs> absolutely take them up on the offer. I've actually made that same uh, remark to a couple employees, and there hasn't been any takers yet. Hmm. So, All right. And what if you, I don't know, dressed it up, put some racing stripes on it, and put it on Craigslist or something? I think what I'm going to be left with here pretty <laughs> yeah. soon. All right. so I'm, I'm looking at those pots. I'm watching them go out the door. I'm very jealous. Um, a couple of our employees have already bought one. Um, and they love them. Yeah. So especially I have a small induction stove, so that could be a big advantage. Well, best of luck to the Uniha folks as we uh, wait for the results of that, if you already got your stuff in. And uh, a reminder, go to nthomebrew.com. National Homebrew Day is a week from today. Uh, well, it's a week from tomorrow, but whatever. A week from today, be at Niagara Tradition for the beginner brewing class. Tickets about that are uh, nthomebrew.com to sign up for the email. You know, the all-brew, uh, the all-grain demo at 1.30, the tasting at 1.30. And uh, Tuesday through Saturday, 10% off ingredients in-store and online. So happy uh, National Homebrew Day. Yeah, time to stock up for summer. And if you're ready, go brew yourself. You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.